0: As week four of the impeachment inquiry into President Trump comes to a close, here are some news developments to keep you up to speed. On Wednesday, Michael McKinley, a former senior advisor to Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, testified to House impeachment investigators. There, he said he quit his job over perceived mistreatment of U.S. diplomats. He also strongly rebuked Trump's dealings in Ukraine. Also on the Hill this week, the U.S. ambassador to the European Union, Gordon Sondland, told House impeachment investigators that President Trump outsourced the job of handling U.S. policy on Ukraine to his personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani. Sondland said that decision made him uncomfortable, but he still carried out the president's wishes. While Sondland was testifying Thursday afternoon, acting White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney held a news conference. There, Mulvaney acknowledged that the Trump administration held up U.S. military aid to Ukraine in part because of Trump's request for Ukraine to investigate a Democratic National Committee server. People familiar with the president's thinking have told The Washington Post that Trump has come to suspect the DNC server hacked by Russia in 2016 may have been hidden in Ukraine. Mulvaney maintained Thursday that Trump's request of Ukraine was unrelated to the Bidens. Amidst all this, back on Wednesday, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell told Republican senators in a closed-door lunch to be ready for an impeachment trial of President Trump as soon as Thanksgiving. McConnell briefed senators via PowerPoint presentation on what exactly would happen during a Senate trial. And according to reporting, that presentation led to Republican senators, well, asking lots of questions about details of how such an impeachment trial would work. And as it turns out, we had those questions, too. And even though we're not yet at the point of a Senate impeachment trial, we wanted to figure out what exactly happens if we get there. How much of the Senate impeachment trial process is set in stone? And how much can be changed by Senate vote? How similar is a Senate impeachment trial to a court trial? Are there lawyers, witnesses? Who collects evidence? And what lessons might be drawn from Senate impeachment trials in the past? This is Can He Do That, a podcast exploring the powers and limitations of the American presidency and what happens when branches of government collide. I'm Alison Michaels. We're still only in the House investigation phase of the impeachment process, and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi refused to say whether she agrees with McConnell's take that the House would vote by Thanksgiving. But regardless, McConnell's comments this week reflect an air of inevitability that has taken hold in Congress. And it shows Republicans are preparing for what may come next. Senate impeachment trials are, of course, very rare in American history, but there is some precedent and there are some established rules for how this process works, largely because we've seen a version of this in somewhat recent history, the Senate impeachment trial of former President Bill Clinton in 1999. The Post's senior congressional correspondent, Paul Kane, covered that trial in the late 90s and still reports from the halls of Congress today. And Paul explained to me the ins and outs of how this process is designed to work. I started by asking him how Senate impeachment trial rules are set. How is the trial process even decided?
1: There are agreements that have to be reached as a trial unfolds. There are certain things that are set in stone as to how many days they have to be there. The trial starts in the afternoon. They're supposed to have the mornings open for legislative business and then get into the impeachment trial in the afternoon. But how many witnesses they call, how many hours or days they give to each side to present their case, all of those things are sort of up to negotiation and up to a vote among the entire Senate. In early 99, they, were, they went through days and days of fights and pushes and pulls over what to do how to set up the trial and at one point Trent Lott thought he had a deal to do a two-week trial and he went to his republican conference and they just but just blew up at him and thought it was way too short not serious enough and they ended up in the old senate chamber which was used up until 1859 and it was the the room where great compromises were hashed out in the 1830s 40s 50s and they met in that room For several hours, and it was uh, Phil Graham and Ted Kennedy that came up with the proposal that was the outline of what they would do to how to hold the Senate trial in 1999, which ended up stretching about over five weeks or so. And they would continually come back, and and sometimes there would be votes. There was a vote to dismiss, which Robert Byrd of West Virginia brought up after each side had presented their case, and that was uh, voted down mostly on
0: party lines. So just so I'm clear, senators can raise votes at different points throughout the trial. It's not as though they have to make decisions before it gets started about what they might change in the process.
1: True. They can't. And that's where the chief justice comes in. The chief justice is the trial judge, and he has a lot of leeway over whether to put a question before the entire Senate.
0: A question that they would then vote on yeah okay. So I've essentially heard this characterized as there's no established process for impeachment proceedings. The Senate controls how it works. is Are you saying that's true or not exactly true? it's
1: it's true and sort of true. Um, <laughs> there, like anything in the Senate, there are existing procedures for how to do things. And so the outline, the general outline of a Senate trial, is in existence. It was uh, written in stone, not actual stone. Um, it's not that long ago. <laughs> but uh, by the Senate parliamentarian in 1986, a man named Robert Dove, he wrote the sort of rules of the road of how an impeachment would proceed. And they were voted on and accepted into the existing Senate rules. And so that outlines how you know the chief justice will oversee the trial, how senators are not supposed to talk during a trial like literally they they don't speak at all during a trial they are jurors and if they want to ask questions of witnesses they write them down on a piece of paper a page takes it and brings it up to the chief justice's desk and the chief justice will determine whether or not that the question gets asked and their attendance it's not mandatory but it's very much expected if you're not showing up for an impeachment trial, especially an impeachment trial of a sitting president, it will be frowned upon greatly. There are- Is uh, your
0: right to vote in the final decision revoked if you don't show up for the uh, no, trial? No, So you can miss significant portions of the trial, but still have a final say?
1: Yes, yes. Other things that are written into the rules are deliberations. They are completely private. The C-SPAN cameras are shut off. The public is ushered out of the press gallery, you're pushed out of the room, the doors are locked, and it is like a jury deliberation in a trial. But instead of 12 jurors, you got 100, and uh, they do 100 this- 100
0: angry men 100, and women. <laughs>
1: 100 angry men and women now, more than 20 women in the U.S. Senate. Um, but yes, so the, some of those things are very much concrete, written into the rules of the road, But then a lot of the other things are sort of left open uh, for debate, deliberation, and consensus.
0: All right. I want to talk through some of these specifics. Let's focus on the case of this current impeachment inquiry. If the House were to vote to pass articles of impeachment and therefore prompt Mm -hmm. the Senate to have to decide whether to take up the trial, who gets to decide whether or not the Senate does in fact conduct a trial?
1: Mitch McConnell has made clear that the Senate rules dictate that a trial will happen. The articles of impeachment will be – they are put together into some sort of ornate box, and they are marched across the Capitol from the House of Representatives floor. There would be a – the House sergeant at arms and probably a few police officers will – take the articles of impeachment and march them across through the Statuary Hall, through the Rotunda, past the old Senate chamber, down the corridor, into the back door of the Senate. And the Senate will receive those articles of impeachment the same way, technically, if a spending bill for the D.C. government gets passed. It happens that way, too, but with much less pomp and circumstance. So that will happen, and they'll set a time and date for the opening of the trial, and the Chief Justice uh, Roberts will come over and he will preside over the trial. There will be some form of opening to this. Once that begins, the questions then get to what kind of a process are Majority Leader McConnell and Minority Leader Schumer, along with the other 98, going to agree to? Is it going to be a multi-week trial that resembles the January-February 1999 trial of William Jefferson Clinton. Or, you know, I I had wondered or suspected that McConnell might try to short-circuit this and and just turn it into a five-day trial where you would have an opening statement, opening statements one day, pomp and circumstance. Then on Tuesday, you could have the prosecution, the House impeachment managers, present their case against Trump. Wednesday, you could have Trump's Defense uh, attorneys presenting their case, and Thursday deliberations, Friday vote. That's what I I had really been expecting. What McConnell had indicated yesterday, behind closed doors at a Republican lunch, seemed to indicate that he was leaning much more toward the nineteen ninety nine trial as a something. His thought was that if the House did the Articles of Impeachment by Thanksgiving, they would pretty much immediately take it up the trial and try to finish it before christmas well that's a four to five week run and if that's the case that's something pretty similar to what the clinton impeachment managers got in 1999
0: do schumer and mcconnell have to agree or does mcconnell yeah. ultimately get to decide how it works
1: no it it, it is it, it has to be a consensus there would have to be some form of vote uh, on the procedures what they did in 99, once once they had this big meeting inside the old Senate chamber and Phil Graham and Ted Kennedy came together with an idea of how the, the trial would unfold, they then had a vote. It was a 100 and nothing. Everybody agreed on that, how the trial would go. And frankly, the Clinton White House at the time was very – they were sort of stunned and taken aback by it. They were a little bit worried that there was now legitimacy to the trial, that all 100 had voted to approve – the procedures of the trial. So they lost their process argument. When you're fighting these battles, you always want to, if you can't argue the facts, you try to argue the process and say it's an illegitimate process. The moment all 100 senators in 1999 agreed to the process, they lost that argument. Right now, Um,
0: we've seen the White House arguing about the process in the House.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. They rarely fight, in fact, over the content of what the, these depositions are revealing about the Ukraine situation, but they argue over the process and Shifty shift and Nervous Nancy. They're doing things that blah 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 are out of out of order. They're there hasn't really been not. a formal yeah. a
0: formal vote uh, yeah. for an impeachment inquiry to begin. Yeah, That's another uh, they're criticism. complaining
1: about it being behind closed doors in the sort of the skiff, the secure compartmentalized information facility uh, as they're known, but those procedures are actually being guided by different rules and long-standing rules about how to run depositions, how to oversee investigations, they're really not doing anything too out of the ordinary on the House side. But Democrats have had a little bit of a, a struggle to explain the process and why they're doing it this way. Eventually, what you're seeing in the House or what you're not seeing in the House, because it's all happening in the basement room of the Capitol Visitor Center, will come out into public. As they move into a real impeachment process, this is kind of like the investigation process Mm -hmm. that we're going through right now, then you're going to see the House Judiciary Committee eventually take up some form of articles of impeachment. And there you'll probably see a much more public unveiling. You'll see testimony. Adam Schiff may actually be the person that presents the case to the House Judiciary Committee as the intel chair, the sort of lead investigator. And then it would go to the full House floor, assuming they vote out specific articles of impeachment from the committee. And then you end up in the Senate trial.
0: All right. So with the caveat that things can change based on how the Senate sort of decides that things will work for the trial, let's talk about what a trial would actually look like. Are there lawyers, prosecutors, like in a court trial? What's that sound? Sure.
1: Assuming it, it goes the way it did in 1999, the House will designate a group of people as their impeachment managers. They essentially will serve as a prosecutorial team. And they're, that, that's sort of left up in the air to how to decide who they are. In late 98, early 99, House Republicans made an odd decision on multiple levels. They They actually chose 13 An unlucky number to begin (laughs) with. Uh, 13 members of the Judiciary Committee were designated as impeachment managers. And from the optics standpoint, uh, they managed to pick 13 white men. Among those, the way they handled it was they sort of divided up pieces of the case against Clinton and groups of those members of Congress, those House Republicans, would sort of argue different parts of the case. A young Lindsey Graham, for example, was then a member of the House from uh, South Carolina. And he was sort of the lead prosecutor, for lack of any other better accurate word, on the obstruction of justice charge against Bill Clinton regarding his perjury before a civil and grand jury about his affair. So Lindsey Graham was the one who sort of made the case in the well of the Senate for that specific charge. They they would be there every day. So all 100 senators will be sitting in their chairs. There, They actually are assigned chairs in the Senate, unlike the House. The House is more like a junior high cafeteria. <laughs> um, you
0: have to look cool. You're yeah. next
1: to. You. The Senate is like some sort of uh, law school faculty club. <laughs> um, so all 100 senators sit in their respective chairs. And down on the, the the well of the Senate chamber, uh, on one side there'll be a table, a little conference table for the prosecution, the impeachment managers, and on the other side is the the president's defense team. And you know, there's a lot of leeway in terms of who gets to be on on which team. You know, the the impeachment managers. That if if Nancy Pelosi decided she only wanted Adam Schiff to be there as the prosecutor, he Technically, she could just send one person over. Um, These are Democrats. They never do that. They never send one person. It will be a a group of people for certain. And the defense team, the presidential defense team, would presumably be one lead lawyer. Um, Rudy
0: Giuliani? (laughs) (laughs) Seems unlikely. <laughs> I, it
1: seems unlikely, but you know, it, it's there is there is leeway uh, on this. I'm not sure that much leeway, and then a couple of other attorneys. Bill Clinton had his White House counsels, Charles Ruff, uh, Cheryl Mills, and a couple of others who were essentially the defense. But he, they also could pull in other people when. It came for the closing statement, to use the sort of legal lingo, in 1999, in Clinton's defense. He asked former Arkansas Senator Dale Bumpers to deliver that. Bumpers was a, had just left the Senate a couple months earlier, retired after a very distinguished career as a governor of Arkansas, then U.S. Senator from Arkansas, and was a beloved figure in inside the Senate still, and was a lawyer. And uh, so Clinton asked him to give the sort of final statement defending him. And as an, a great orator from the South, uh, Bumpers was always known for giving incredible stem winders and telling great stories. And so he basically did. It was, I off the top of my head, I'm guessing an hour or more wow. pleading the case and talking about each, not every senator, but talking about him, his relationship with the senators and what the Senate meant to the country and what this whole process was doing to the country. So, so Trump would be able to, you know, he can't pull 48 lawyers out and, you know, from random spots and everything. But, you know, we've seen Trey Gowdy's name floated about as a a part of his defense team. Uh, He he could grab Trey Gowdy and have him be part of the defense team and, and speak on the Senate floor.
0: All right. So how exactly then would the trial work day to day? Are witnesses called to the stand and cross-examined like in a court?
1: For the most part, no. What happened in 99 was you had this Ken Starr Independent Counsel report that had already interviewed many people and, and people like Monica Lewinsky and Linda Tripp had been interviewed for, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of hours. And so those transcripts were already there and there were already reports inside the House Judiciary Committee So most of the witnesses had already been interviewed, and so there was no need to go re-interview all the witnesses. But there were certain things that senators felt they needed to know more about, and they wanted to question Monica Lewinsky in particular, I think, especially about not the acts that took place, but they wanted to talk about there was an effort to get her to essentially lie about the affair and she was trying to get her old coworker Linda Tripp to lie about the affair and there were talking points and there was questions about obstruction of justice witness tampering suborning perjury and they went through a negotiation process of how to do that i think at the time i believe there were some that wanted to call her as a witness into the United States Senate chamber into the well And asked questions and, you know, they understood what kind of a fiasco that would be. So instead, they had a negotiated private interview that did occur. uh, I believe it was at the Mayflower Hotel, uh, downtown D.C. on Connecticut Avenue. And that was done in private. I believe there was a videotape of it uh, that was done in this case, you know, jumping forward 20 years I, you know, there might be some questions that senators feel that weren't asked that need they need to be answered f- for. I it would be hard for me to see them bringing anybody in. They can if they want uh, bring somebody into the Senate chamber at a question. But I think I think there's still enough sense of Senate decorum that if they brought Rudy Giuliani into the well of the Senate and did a televised interview interrogation of him that it would probably go sideways and look bad for everybody involved.
0: Is there new evidence that would be uncovered or introduced by the Senate or do they rely on the work that the House has already done?
1: It is overwhelmingly almost entirely going to be relied on the work that the House has done on this and possibly some, you know, the Southern District of New York, the prosecutors there are have already put out some criminal information statements about indictments of Rudy Giuliani's associates but you know that that's still an ongoing investigation, but they might be able to get if they need it some material from them to be part of the trial. But otherwise, it will really, really rely on what the House is able to come up with in the investigation.
0: So ultimately, all of this comes to a vote in the Senate. Mm
1: -hmm. Can you
0: explain the two possible outcomes?
1: Uh, Sure. First, once the case is all done and they go to deliberations, you are now into a jury trial in which the jurors go back into private, lock the doors, no one's around no C-SPAN cameras, and they deliberate. And the deliberations, I've talked to people, and I recently talked to Tom Daschle and Trent Lott, who were the Senate leaders in 1999, about this. And, you know, it it's not just a series of speeches the way a normal debate goes. There is, there is some back and forth, and people talk. And um, Tom Daschle told me that in 1999, there were... It was the most impactful thing that he had ever seen in the Senate because there were 100 people there talking about both the fate of the presidency and also their own lives. Almost sort of hinting that people were talking about the things that they had done wrong in their own lives and marriages, and tears were shed. It was yeah, and and it is. Unless the senator, him or herself, wants to release their own remarks. Some did that in 1999. That is off the record. And at least back then, anyway, everybody respected it. Then when they call a vote, when it's time to vote, Chief Justice will preside and they will call the roll. It'll be in alphabetical order. All 100 will be seated at their desks. It will start off with Mr. Alexander from Tennessee, Lamar Alexander, and they'll go through the entire alphabet. What they have to do is, and you're guilty or not guilty, is generally what you would call out. You need 67 in order to convict and remove two-thirds to remove Trump from office. In the Andrew Johnson case in 1868, uh, they were within one or two votes of, of getting there in 1998, there were two articles, two votes. Uh, one was essentially the perjury, and it, as Lindsey Graham said it years later, he said "I, I it was good that that failed. It, f- it failed, only got 45 votes because he felt like lying about an affair was a human thing to do. But the obstruction of justice charge was the bigger charge, and that that only got 50 votes. It was a perfectly symbolic 50-50 vote and so they were nowhere near 67 this time around you would need 47 members of the democratic caucus if all 47 voted guilty you'd need 20 republicans to join to get to 67 to remove trump from office that's an incredibly high bar right now there are really not that many republicans that are really deeply critical of the president's actions regarding Ukrainian pressure uh, investigations of Biden, Clinton, others. So to get to 20 to be able to vote to remove him from office is a very, very high bar and hard to see it coming right now.
0: So as we potentially head toward a Senate impeachment trial, though, again, we're not quite there yet, how might public opinion affect how senators ultimately vote?
1: Um, You know, it it it's impossible to re- take politics out of this. The Constitution says high crimes and misdemeanors are what would impeach him and remove him from office. But the Constitution does not define what a high crime or misdemeanor is. Therefore, it leaves it up to every senator, himself or herself, to determine what is a high crime and misdemeanor. And the reality is that usually turns into a very political question for that particular senator. In 1999, to go back there, every Democrat voted not guilty, and all but five Republicans voted guilty. The five Republicans who were in the not guilty camp, uh, they all came from moderate New England, Northeast states. You could see the politics unfolding. You could see the future of American politics unfolding, really, in a way that we were balkanizing ourselves into this... Hyperpartisan area, and you just realize that the, the political calculation was the calculation that mattered most, and very few people were breaking ranks out of out of just personal conviction of things, you know. And you 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 could see the clips of young Lindsey Graham, then a member of the House, talking about. You know, the, the, the need to clean the office, the need to clean the office. It doesn't just have to be a crime. It doesn't have to be a crime that you must cleanse the office of, of, of sins. You know, now, flash forward 21 years, and Lindsey Graham is this president's biggest defender uh, over matters that are far more consequential than lying about an extramarital affair. What's changed oh, 20 years and a lot of political calculation and maneuvering.
0: All right, Paul, thank you so much for your insight. Sure. This has been another episode of Can He Do That? If you want to get more news about the impeachment inquiry, you can now subscribe to a new podcast feed from The Washington Post. All of our audio updates on the inquiry in one place, including the latest from Can He Do That, Post Reports, and The Daily 202's Big Idea, updated whenever news happens. Subscribe at WashingtonPost.com slash podcasts or search impeachment inquiry, updates from The Washington Post, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening. Can He Do That is a team effort here at The Post. It's produced by the undeterred Carol Alderman with design help from Kat Rudell Brooks, logo art from Loren Boglio, and theme music by Ted Muldoon.